Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Maybe you're just waking up this morning, you're like, oh yeah, the Leafs played last night? What happened? Poor well, shame. I mean, the thing that always happens, happened. Austin Matthews scored. Twice, in fact. Goals number 50 and 51, and the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Arizona Coyotes a 6-3, to three, completing their longest winning streak of the season, five gamers. It's not complete. It could continue tonight because they're in Vegas to play the Golden Knights and uh, completing a perfect uh, five games without Morgan Riley, who also will return tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. If you didn't stay up late, shame on you because it was on Sportsnet and you missed our next guest. Uh, He is our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Nick Kiprios, a real kipper and born. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, guys. How you feeling? Uh, actually, pretty good. good I was going to say, you sound chipper for having been on TV when I went to bed last night. And I know maybe I had to work just, a little earlier, but you sound great, Kipper. Maybe it's just all the excitement, you know? The Leafs are winning. and You're talking to us? One of the most, they got the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. And uh, uh, maybe there's just plenty to be excited about. There certainly is. Uh, Maple Leafs are quite good right now and uh, able to, to beat the, the lesser lights that uh, maybe they struggled to to beat earlier on this season. Get to that in just a second. We got we to gotta spend some time talking about Austin Matthews. A great story by you today on uh, the Toronto Star. Austin Matthews won't get the Rick Vibe treatment from the Leafs, but his legacy is at stake. God, I, I don't know how I missed the, the Rick Vibe-Brennan Shanahan thing we were just talking about in the break. And for people who, who don't know, Brendan Shanahan apparently snubbed as a, as a child by Rick Vibe trying to get an autograph and then, you know, use that as motivation. I don't know, th- that part I'm inferring, but, like, got to the NHL level <laughs> and then with the Devils, dropped the gloves with Rick Vibe and Vibe had no idea and it afterwards said, yeah, that's for snubbing me as a kid um, and not giving me an autograph. That's an amazing story, Nick. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, you got to almost think twice about it uh, and... You know, I think it's been verified by Brendan Shanahan, so I, I think there's there's no question that 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 it happened. But I, I, maybe it just speaks to you know Brendan um, and and just uh, you know the the eagerness he had back then, and you know whatever whatever we all draw from as as athletes um, is kind of an internal thing. Where's your motivation? Who who told you you'd never amount to anything? Like my grade seven, you know, math teacher, Mr. McTagg. And oh, mine was grade nine life. English. Mr. Glenn couldn't stand that guy. <laughs> Everybody said I was going to be amazing. And guess what? They were right. Wrong. Yeah. So we all have uh, those internal uh, feelings one way or another. But, you know, at no time would I ever think that's part of the reason why maybe Rick Vibes uh, jersey doesn't hang in the rafters or there's there's not a a statue outside the building and basically in my article today you know i'm talking about uh a lot of the things that uh, rick vibe and austin have in common and now the only two players in leaf history to have scored 50 goals uh twice uh the fact that uh going into arizona last night they played the exact equal games as a toronto maple leaf uh which i found uh kind of unique and the fact that uh they're doing such great things putting the puck in the net uh and yet have not both had uh playoff success to the rate where it could put them amongst some of the great Leafs in history so uh you know that's that's where Austin sits today is a guy that uh, will forever known as being the best goal scorer uh if 
for sure as a leaf, but uh, now running against uh, the best in, in, in the history of the game, you know? So that all has to line up with some playoff success moving forward. And the good news uh, for Austin is he still has power over that while the rest of them like Rick Vive and Matt Sundin and Daryl Sittler um, can only dream of what it could have been. Yeah, that's right. Like still a uh, very long run road, right? Like it's, it's funny to think that for a guy we've been talking about as long as we have, but just 26 years old, not going to turn 27 until right before the the start of next season. The thing I've been wondering about, and I, I thought it was a great point you, you brought up with Vive. And I think a lot of people maybe, you know, it's a, it's a good reminder for the people who need it. And it's a good history lesson for the people who, who need that. But you know, I look back at those Vive teams and it's not to say he was by himself, like builder Lego. I look at the first 50 goal season he had, he was five points back of a Vive, but there wasn't the core four of it all. Like, I wonder how that will kind of color the way Matthews is viewed that there's plenty of guys to kind of point the finger at if things don't go well. And I don't say that to absolve Matthews. I think he'll wear it as much as any of these other guys. But when you look at Vive again, I don't want to overstate it, say he was by himself, but there wasn't the wealth of compliment of talent, like what Matthews had and Marner and Tavares and Nylander and Riley. What do you make of that and how it could, and again, go win the cup and we don't even have this conversation, but what do you think of how many guys there are that are a part of this conversation here now and how that'll kind of color the conversation? Yeah, yeah, no question that, uh, you know, we can look back in those 80s and and suggest that there just wasn't enough talent around a guy like Rick, um, you know, above and beyond a guy like Bill Durlego feeding him uh, passes, but you know we look at uh, the core four today, Gunner, and and we're not sure that Marner and Nylander are are going to be enough for Matthews to move <laughs> his legacy uh, to another level. Because we sit here today and we still marvel that uh, there is world class talent around Matthews, but is it enough? Mm. Hasn't because been yet. We have sat here and debated over the last year, year and a half that it's it's too much on the forward line. You've robbed Peter to pay Paul, um, and and the defense isn't good enough, or the depth in net isn't good enough, and that's where that's where we we kind of take it off the hands of of Matthews and Marner and even Willie to a certain extent. We know the the dip since he signed, but he's still a game breaker as we've seen, you know, in in St. Louis or or last night, you know, with him coming out of the penalty box for his goal that he's got this amazing ability to kind of disappear but but still find a way to make a difference in a hockey game, but we will we could look back at this era today and say that it still wasn't enough or the balance wasn't right for, for an Austin Matthews. And there is still the risk that we could look back at this, at these last few years and say, they're just, it it wasn't enough or the balance wasn't enough or the timing wasn't right because they ran out of cap room. So all of this is still up in the air and this is what, Brendan Shanahan and now Brad Tree Living sit daily in the office going, okay, we've got the best goal scorer in the history of the game, you know, uh, at, 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 at this age. So what can we do to help them now? And then they look at their assets. They look at where they are today, where they think they might be tomorrow, next month, next year. And then they have to come up with this, uh, 
this uh, game plan or or formula to make the most out of Austin Matthews, and that really now lies on on their decisions moving forward as as early as March eighth, because mm-hmm. the, you can't squeeze any more um, blood out of this stone because Matthews is at an all time high, and when we watch Mitch Marner make these nifty little subtle passes through his legs to players like Brody that end up goals with with Matthews if he's not passing on his stick, you know, for primary assist. Um, they're doing everything that they can. They're, they're proving every day they're worth every penny that they're being paid right now. So it's just a matter of now, is it enough around them? Much like, unfortunately, it, was, it wasn't for Rick Vive mm. in the 80s. Yeah. And if Matthews continues this uh, toward scoring, uh, scoring pace into the postseason, it'll be uh, be helpful. Uh, and he did in in the six games against the Lightning last season, uh, scoring five goals. So you arrived in the NHL in the 89-90 season, Nick, and Brett Hall put up 72 that season. It was the year after Mario put up his 85-goal season, finishing second in the Hard Trophy voting. Imagine finishing second with 85 goals. That's nice. Um, but, yeah, what we're watching – Usually when we talk about goal scoring in the NHL or point totals in the NHL, we're like, oh, for this era, right? Because we, we you know, the numbers are so ridiculous from the 80s and, and Gretzky and Lemieux and what they did. But, like, there's a real, like, there's a real era-to-era comparison to what Austin Matthews is doing. Like, just from your experience playing in the league and how amazing it was to see some of those goal totals and, and maybe just before you arrived as well, can you compare the feeling of that to what we're watching this season with Austin Matthews? Yeah, it's it's it is comparable for sure, and we would uh, we would go into St. Louis and and put game plans on just how to stop Brett Hall. We'd spend twenty minutes before the game with the Washington Capitals, and we'd come up with devious plans on left wingers. <laughs> you to, take the knee, to, I'll take the head. To, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, to shut down Brett Hall and uh, how we'd all, you know, the left wingers would be the key here because obviously they line up against Brett Hall and and how far you want to go in on a four check before you pull back and, and try to pick him up in the neutral zone, blah, 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 blah. First period goes by. He finishes uh, 20 minutes with, I think, two goals and an assist. And uh, then head coach Brian Murray comes in. Or, or then... Head coach Brian Murray comes in and punches <laughs> the blackboard <laughs> right through with his fist. <laughs> so it's like, uh, all right, we spent a day and a half talking about how we're shutting them down and we give them two in the first 20. So uh, I, I'm sure every team feels that way. It's not like uh, uh, Arizona, as bad as they are, you know, the last month can't win a hockey game. It's not like they sat there and, and didn't mention, oh, the fact that uh, Austin Matthews has got 49 goals. So everybody's trying to shut this guy down and, and can't find a way, much like those days with Solani, McGillney, of course, Brett Hall, mm-hmm. um, Mario, uh, not even known as a goal scorer, or even Wayne as a pure shooter, you know, scoring you know, 70, 80 goal seasons, 90 for, for Wayne. So, yeah, it's so many comparables. But, you know, the league has also done a nice job in the last 20 years cleaning up a lot of stuff that those guys back then had to deal with, like the clutching and the grabbing and the hooking. 
like you it's it's night and day but uh you know people are enjoying the goals the totals the the freedom that that Austin and, and Connor have to move through the neutral zone or in the offensive zone now is uh has, has enhanced the game for the skill that they have and uh it's a fun league right now with these guys uh, uh looking at 70 goal seasons once again yeah, it's nuts, right? I think I I think if you would have gone back a decade and said, "Hey, uh, seventy goal season is in the mix. Sixty goal seasons are going to become kind of the norm." We would assume it's firewagon hockey, and every game is seven six every night. And there are more of those than we've seen before. But it's not like the league is kind of completely wide open. It does feel like. Not that they've necessarily tried to engineer it this way, but it's kind of perfectly thread the needle of not letting games get stupid and silly, but still having kind of a lot a lot more offense there. Uh, I do want to move off of Matthews uh, to a guy you guys were talking a little bit about on, on Real Kipper and Bourne yesterday. Uh, not Easton Cowan. I know you guys uh, you guys uh, got people hot and bothered by that, but it was Ooh, Tim. Oh, boy. Yeah, you did. We'll, we'll maybe go back to that in a second. But Timothy Lilligren, you know, uh, Sammy and Bourne were throwing out the idea of, is that the kind of guy you, you throw out? As a younger player, maybe you get somebody more established, the best version of what he can become kind of trade. Uh, and you push back on it. And boy, did you look smart after the game he had last night. That was maybe the best game I've seen him play. So much of that is just the the nastiness, the physicality, the confidence he he played with. I don't think that that was some game that allows Timothy Lilligren to unlock himself. And he's a different player. But man, I, I thought he was excellent last night. Maybe it's the best game I've seen in like two years. Honestly. That's how how good he was, and that's how simple he kept his game and uh, both ends of the ice. Uh, he had that one dash uh, cutting into the net uh, that showed that, uh, you know, he's got different elements to his game. Uh, they've put a lot of time into to Timothy Lilligren, um, and, and I get it. Uh, and I'm not saying that he's not a guy that you still maybe might have to move if – Mm-hmm. If 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 one you know equals two in some sort of transition, uh, they 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 do need multiple guys on the blue line. It's just not a one for one. But Timothy Lilligren is a guy that they put a lot of time in, and we've seen him at times show flashes of being a a a, a good defenseman, a solid uh, contributor in the National Hockey League. So. Uh, it's not an easy throwaway uh, for sure here. Uh, but again, where is his range? Does he have the ability to at times look like a guy that can handle top four minutes? Mm. Yes. But on a team that wants to find itself in a conference final or a Stanley Cup final, I think he's a 5-6. A um, but the issue is how many 5-6s do the Leafs have right now? Uh Benoit's done an amazing job, but he should be a third-pair guy. Uh, McCabe probably will end up being, of course, as we know, a top-four guy on the Leafs. But again, on a championship team, would you rather have him between four and six on your depth chart? So the Leafs need two threes, legit two threes. And I don't know how they're going to arrive there because we do know their, their assets have been depleted by... Kyle Dubas over the years uh, uh, but you know if there's a way that they can add and, and keep Lilligren I would highly suggest it 
Well, uh, and he's racking up some points as well. What, seven points over his last four games um, and getting some opportunities on power play one. Morgan Riley returns And looking tonight. greasy last night. And yeah. looking greasy. Yeah, yeah. Morgan Riley, uh, fresh off his suspension, returns tonight, and they need fresh legs on the back end of, of back-to-backs against the champs who aren't exactly playing well, But uh, and Martin Jones in net, we assume. Um, what can they take over these these five games without Morgan Riley that they've won all of those five games? What can they take from those games and apply it to, you know, getting a guy who's should be very helpful to that blue line. What, what can they, what can they apply? Are there any lessons to have been learned over these five games? Uh, yeah. As far as, uh, yeah. Defensive core is just don't try to be like Morgan Riley, right? Let Morgan Riley, uh, jump up on the plays or, or be a little aggressive or find himself behind, uh, the offensive zone net. But, uh, you know, for these guys, uh, you know, they, they certainly tightened up when they needed to over the course of the last five games, and they just got to continue that. Um, there, there's no reason why it should look a lot looser on the back end once Morgan uh, joins them. But, you know, ultimately, uh, th- this blue line does need help, and I think they've done a, a, a very good job of kind of holding water while Morgan is gone. But ultimately, for this blue line to go to the next level, it means Morgan comes back and and you add. And uh, um, just to kind of touch on our earlier mm-hmm. conversation, and yes, we did throw out uh, Cowan as a as a as a non untouchable going into the trade deadline uh, to get this team some help. Uh, it's wide open in the East, with the exception of Florida. So, if there's one thing that you might want to think about going into the March 8th is how, how do we add to beat Florida? I, I know the Boston Bruins are still there, but to me, the East has to go through the Florida Panthers and, and the Leafs need to, to go for it now. So what does that mean? What is, what, what assets? I, I don't want to trade uh, Cowan. I, I know he's going to be a, a, a very good player, if not a great player for the Leafs in, in, in two or three or four years, mm-hmm. but I can't think of that. I got to think about here and now. I, uh, this team has to win now, uh, or 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 at least trade for players that can give you a chance to win now and next year. But I, I'm not sure Cowan fits in that equation. So what does that mean for management and how hard you want to push for for Austin, who is absolutely, you know, in the prime of his career? That's why you have to win now. Yeah, you you do have to win now. He is in the absolute prime of his career. It won't get any better than this. But I also said that when he scored sixty goals, and uh, lo and behold, Wrong. we are on our way to a to a better better season than that. I, I'm with you there. the The Cowan timeline is so tough, right? Because I think Minton kind of clouds that in people's minds and the people, and I think rightfully so are already placing Cowan ahead of Minton in the prospect pecking order. But the age thing means that Minton... M- Minton's dis- not even close. Well, no, I, I agree. He's not even close. No, no, I agree with you, Kipper. But I'm saying the fact that people saw him here and he's the year older and he is actually closer to not being the player that Cowan can be for this team. Because I'm with you. I think the ceiling is miles higher for, for Cowan. But there's not a zero chance that Minton's on the team in a fourth, third line capacity next year. And I think that's why it's a it's an interesting one uh, to, to have. Uh, last one for me anyways, but before we let you go, Kipper, Max Domi, 
looking greasy, looking feisty. You seen it out of Bertuzzi last night. That was a chippier game than I think a lot of people maybe expected uh, against the Coyotes. Although when Sean Dursey's involved against the Leafs, I guess you should should always always expect it. We talk about the offense, we talk about the goals, and you want production from him and Bertuzzi. But if they can have some more of that in them, and we've seen it throughout this stretch of Leafs hockey, kind of basically since the calendar flipped here of a meaner version of those guys. How how important is it just to see that? kind of rounding into form as we get to the playoffs along with the production for, for those guys. Well, I found it interesting last night that uh, I don't think Austin had much of a shift in the last six minutes and uh, uh, they really curtailed it. And here's a guy that's uh, people are talking about 70 goals. It wasn't Austin chasing another hat trick last night in the third period. Uh, it was very, uh, uh, it was very, uh, deliberate uh that they they pulled austin's minutes back so they can again start looking at other things around austin and and marner which includes mcmahon robertson max so i I like the fact that uh it it looks like it's it's shaping up to be a, a a 27 games where we try to get these guys as much uh physically emotionally spiritually tied into the team as best we can because we're going to need everybody uh, once the playoffs start. Uh, but Max now finds himself as a as a second-line guy with Bertuzzi and Willie Nylander. And, you know, I hope they stick with this in terms of at least continuing to build Max Domi up. I don't know where Max sits once it, game one starts in the, in the first round of the playoffs. Is he there in, in the second hole? There's no question that they're they're pulling back John Tavares, mm-hmm. uh, finding himself with McMahon and Robertson last night. And, you know, is this his new role? A more of a checking role? Don't worry about the offense as much. We'll fit you in uh, on the power play. But, you know, John Tavares now a third-line centerman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there's there's a lot to figure out between now and then. But at least it looks like the rest of the team is a lot more engaged including Max now, uh, deliberately by by Sheldon Keefe here. He's got to continue that. This isn't about the Leafs chasing a a playoff spot. They have that. They'll never be in jeopardy of missing the playoffs as long as they have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. So Mm -hmm. the question is, how good can we get these players around them to feel going into game one? And, And Max is certainly getting that opportunity now with, the likes of Bertuzzi and, and Willie. Trying to run that winning streak to a season-high six games tonight against the champs. Uh, Nick, uh, enjoyed your work, as always, last night. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Have a great day. All right, you too. Nick Kiprios, real Kipper and born, uh, and he was our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So if we're going to talk about the motivation for the six defensemen who played those five mm-hmm. games without Morgan Riley to prove that, hey, we're worth a damn. And, like, you don't have to trade us all away. We're not five, six guys that are all five, six guys. Yeah, right. We're, we're like, threes and fours, some of us. Some maybe. of us, anyways. Okay. I would hope that there's motivation for tonight's game. It's a tough spot. Back-to-back, on the road, against the champs. But I would hope that there's a level of motivation to be, like, because they know what the narrative is going to be. If they were playing for Mo before. <laughs> they should be playing for him tonight that they don't lose their first game in six and the only one that Morgan Riley's played in. 
it, it actually was immediately where my head went when we got that quote from three days ago of Nylander or Matthews or whoever it was who gave it over. We're doing it for Mo and we're rallying around him. Don't do it now. If anything, take the dive for Mo. So he looks super duper important. Yeah, you'd you'd love to see it. You need to see it, quite frankly. And, you know, there's been there's been stepping up that's happened. Like TJ Brody has been good in his in his minutes. The eye test hasn't always been there, but he's just the, the Leafs have won his minutes nine nothing at five on five since Morgan Riley has been out. He's picked up three primary points, seven points in that stretch for Brody. Like it's been remarkable that he's been able to or sorry, five in that in that stretch, but he's been able to be the better version of himself. Now, part of that's playing on his correct side, not the right side, but the correct side for him. So I, I just look at it and I think that there obviously were lessons to be learned. Please, please don't say, ah, good. Mo's back. Now we can relax. Please no. Yeah. And no one says that, but there is a subconscious. No. Listen, when you're up 3 nothing after a dominant 20 minutes of play against a team that it's lost 10 in a row, there, it's just human nature to have a second period like the Leafs had Yesterday, when you've won five consecutive over a stretch of games that, yeah, on the schedule didn't look all that daunting, but without, like, your your biggest area yeah. of need on this team and then losing your best player in that area, like, yeah, that there's many people, rightly so, wondering how you would perform over that stretch. Don't, yeah, it would only be human nature to say, ah, we did it, and now he's back. Yeah. But I, I, I think there should also be an equal parts, hey, let's save this guy from the narrative. If they're aware of the narrative, I, I think it clicked in after the second goal last night mm. when everyone's just talking about golf and barbecues and even Sheldon Keefe is looking super sunburned and tan yeah. that you can't blow that game. You could, you could lose it. Like, that's happened before. They go shoot 50 shots, 70 shots, 100 shots on Vidalka, and he stands on his head. Okay, that's happened before. Mm. We'll make our peace with it. You could not blow a lead where it seems like you took your foot off the gas. The second Matthews got 50, it just, from narrative perspective, uh-huh. oh my God, I did not want to do that show today. So thank <sighs> Plus, God. and maybe it's 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 not the deal because they're, they're on the road in Denver on Hockey Night in Canada. Mm. But like maybe there's a trip to the sphere in their future. I don't know what the, I don't know what the travel plans are for the Maple Leafs. Like if there was an element of that opening 20 minutes being motivated by... Hey, we just had a great off day last last night at at the Matthews Compound, <laughs> so and good. let's let's prove to Sheldon Keith that that's not going to negatively affect our game. Maybe that's also a motivating factor. Hey, the bird's going to stay overnight in Vegas instead of quickly going to Denver. Let's let's show them that that's not something that's going to negatively impact our play. I feel like there's no bad. I feel like there's no bad bad options there. Like you know, like Denver's not Vegas, but. Denver's, never been. Denver's not. I feel like if everything I've heard is a very fun, fun city. Yeah, like but different it's not feel. Vegas. Come on, we're okay, talking nothing's Vegas. Vegas. You're right. I know it's Vegas. Okay, listen. I, I will ask Luke next and 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 get his take on where he'd rather spend. No, no, no. Don't say I'm <laughs> saying people would Post rather. Game. Yeah, uh, Luke Gazdick, uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst, joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet Five Nine, the Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 59 of the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Leafs in Vegas tonight to play the defending champs. And the story last weekend was that the Nashville Predators weren't allowed to go to the Sphere because they played so poorly at home. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were denied their trip to the Las Vegas Sphere. They were. Um, 
I don't imagine those tickets are refundable. So that's just a sunk cost. Like, I don't know how that works. Uh, when did they make the call? Like, you can't, like, they couldn't have a team services employee get on StubHub. Oh, I see. Yeah. Recoup it. Like, you're not making all your money. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you are. Because we're, like, running out of <laughs> you time. You know what? You know what? I think we kind of got to the bottom of this. If the Coyotes had done this, I would have been convinced that this is all just a work <laughs> to inject money into the coffers yeah. of the org. Preds, I'm a little less certain. You on. were just doing the research. Yeah. How many Two dates more. are left? Twenty-three, uh, the twenty-third and twenty-fourth. That's it. Mm, okay. So, mm. is there is there time? I don't think this is going to work out for the Maple Leafs um, because they play in Denver on Hockey Night in Canada. But yeah, they're in Vegas tonight. Uh, I imagine maybe they'll, they'll they'll stay overnight in Vegas tonight instead of flying out immediately to Denver. But who knows? Who knows? Um, let's t- uh, talk to Luke Gazdick, uh, sports and NHL analyst, host of the Mitsoff Podcast. How's it going, Luke? Good, guys. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. Do you have any, any thoughts on, on the Leafs in Vegas coming off a five-game winning streak tonight and, and where the travel plans may lie for that team? <laughs> so they're in Vegas tonight. No, they'll hop on a flight right after. You it's, think? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, every team usually runs it a little differently, but I would say the major majority, you're you're going to the next city after the game. But Denver is different. They're a, a little uh, tidbit on Denver. They want to keep you there for as little as possible. Uh, with the altitude, right. your body has less time adjusting. So they actually try to get you there um, and spend the least amount of time possible. But I, I think they're not giving the boys the green light in Vegas <laughs> after the game tonight. Uh, but that's just me. Yeah, no, they gave him the green light in Arizona two days ago. Apparently, it was a day of golf and a barbecue at the Matthews compound. And, you know, just me doing this job. We talk about narratives all the time. The second the Leafs uh, give up two goals early in the second period, I go, no, please, not like this. I don't want to have that discussion all day tomorrow of they had Vegas on the brain and they they uh, they, they were having a good time with uh, with Matthews and his family there. But luckily, uh, they were able to take care of business. We We can't have a conversation about the Leafs right now without talking about Austin Matthews. I mean, we're running out of superlatives. He's scoring goals from the corner. It's just, it's remarkable what he's doing right now. I thought the best I'd ever see was when he scored 62 years ago. And then McDavid and Pasternak scored 60 the very next year. But this, it's even more special than than what we've seen over the past handful of years. It's unreal, guys. And he just, he makes it look so easy. And I think that's like almost the upsetting thing for me is that... <laughs> He makes it look so easy when I understand how difficult what he's doing is. And I think it's just amazing that he's finding different ways to score, like not going at over here, but in a couple of OV seasons where he's scoring all these goals, you know where it's coming from, right? It's mm-hmm. usually on a power play from his offside. and He looks like a table like hockey it. player. He's just up and down and stand in the spot and fire at home. <laughs> Exactly. And with Austin, it's like he scored the same way against Buffalo when he did that spinorama from the corner on the ice. And then again, last night when it's almost like a no looker on the ice, catching goalies, cheating. Uh, It's unbelievable what he, what he's doing. And like I said, like, I think that he makes it look so easy. And I think that's kind of what drives Leaf Nation nuts. Sometimes me, me included is that He's just so nonchalant out there. And, like, I wish when they got in a scrum, he'd throw a punch or, like, drive someone through the end wall. But I think we're – well, at least I'm just accepting now that this is, like, this is who he is. Mm. He just kind of doesn't look as engaged as 
you know, the other guy, think about Nate McKinnon and you watch a game in Colorado, this guy gallops around the ice and has that competitive look and drive in his eyes and often just does it differently. But it's, it's just really fun to watch. I, I understand how hard it is to score in the National Hockey League, let alone go at a uh, goal per game pace. Uh, so it's impressive, man. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, and yeah, it, yeah, you want the whole package. But if you got to choose one, I, I take the guy that's going to score 70 goals this season. Um, what if he does score 70? Because I don't think it's at all too early to be having the Hart Trophy conversation here with whatever, you know, fewer than 30 games left uh, in this season. Yeah, the, the the point totals aren't what uh, some of the other leaders are at, but so much of what has been built by, you know, the Kucherovs and even the Nathan McKinnons of the world are secondary assists. He doesn't have many secondary assists, but primary points at five on five, he still leads the NHL. Should Austin Matthews win the Hart Trophy, no matter what, if he's the only guy at 70, I almost take everything else that happens for those other guys out of the equation. Should he be winning his second Hart Trophy he gets to 70? I think guaranteed, honestly. I might even consider giving it to him right now. I think if you get 70-plus by the end of the year, uh, yeah, we're, I don't even think this is a conversation. You can make, conver- you can make conversations for other guys. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm giving it to him. If you want to start cherry-picking stats, too, I was looking yesterday. He, not only is he first in goals, he is first in things like block shots. He's first in yep. takeaways. He has the least amount of giveaways. Out of, this is out of the big four. Uh, he PK, like, he kills penalties, too. Uh, and, like, he just, there's so much more to his game, but that 70 number is a number that you cannot ignore. I always try to think, when I'm thinking of heart, I understand people look at this, uh, especially people that vote, it's kind of a subjective award. And I just, I feel like with the heart, if you take that player away from his team, who whose team hurts more? And I, I don't know if there's an argument not for Matthews. Like with the amount of goals he scored, the game winners, uh, the amount of hat trick, the amount of times he dragged them back in hockey games, he just might be the most valuable to his team and the most valuable in the league. It's uh, it's certainly going to be a fun stretch uh, to watch down here. Like uh, I think it's going to be one of those awards at the end of the year that we'll talk about because it might not be unanimous. Um, but if he scores seventy, I'm giving it to him. Yeah, I mean you're not going to you're not. This will shock everyone listening. You're not going to get an argument from me on on that, Luke. But I think you hit on this stuff because it's funny when you said I've been digging into the numbers. I thought you were going to do our our favorite stat we've all been throwing out of him leading the league in crossbars and posts. Of you know he could have so many more goals, but I'm happy you bring up the block shots and the fact that he kills penalties and what he is as a two-way player it does feel like when we have these heart conversations and kind of it even gets to point in the Norris at times does defense matter at all in these awards because if it does then I really don't know how close this thing is because God love Connor and the strides he's made in in that regard as a player but he's not what Matthews is in terms of the 200 foot game and Nikita Kucherov like he's longer in the tooth he's not the player in that regard he once was McKinnon I think you know a little more to your point dog on a bone competitive nature there but that's the thing I can't keep coming back to or can't go away from in this conversation is shouldn't defense matter like at least a little bit when we're talking about the best player in the game? I, I would hope so. I really hope that, I, like I said, I don't have a vote, um, but I, I hope that the voters um, look at this whole spectrum of what the guys are giving you. And I just feel like Austin is that player that 
whether you're playing against him, whether you're watching him, sometimes maybe he gets a goal, but you don't really notice a ton of things he does. But then you start watching it back. And I like, like I watch a lot of tape. I love watching small details and his details and his hockey sense for the game are incredible. And I think that goes overlooked sometimes with the goal number. People are always watching his shot and watching his release and watching how he gets him in the, himself in the scoring positions. But away from the puck and on the deep side of the puck, he's so good too. Even just coming back into the zone, tracking, like I said, first and takeaways among those big four in the heart uh, voting. It's, it's fun to watch just very subtly how he goes about his his business and how he plays the game. There's just, I just, I understand we watch him a lot and we're exposed to him a lot here in the city, but I, I hope that people around the league know too that there's a lot more to his game than just scoring goals. Yeah, and he is a diverse scorer, uh, although he has picked out that spot, not maybe as close to the goal line. Like, he has a bunch of one-timers kind of sort of around where he scored that, that first one yesterday. But it's like you said, it's not the first time he's done that thing from the, the, the sharp angle along the ice um, where, you know, you're, you're, you're protecting against the seam pass as well. Um, that goal in particular, like, that's got to show up on some scouting reports now. But, but how unstoppable is it? Because it looks like a bad goal, right? Like if you still saw it for the first time, you're like, oh, well, you got to stop that from that angle. But yeah, the, the mentality of goaltending, like n- no goalie is going to go down early on that shot. Like how, what is the mentality of defending Austin Matthews from as close to the goal line as he scored a couple of times like that? I mean, it's a challenge. So you would go through this stuff basically the, almost like the week leading up to it. Uh, in the dog days here, you're playing every couple nights, so maybe not focusing as much on them. But coming leading in, into this game, you'll watch a ton of video. They will ISO on him. You'll sit there and you're in the video room or in the big dressing room, and they will literally show you patterns and stuff like that about what he's doing. And then the goaltender will work with the goaltending coach even more specifically where they'll sit down and do – sessions on shooters and we'll even recreate drills in practice so i used to go out there probably half an hour before practice in edmonton and we would curate drills that were based on the players that we were going to play and some of the habits that they liked uh like to do like to use places they like to shoot from but i just think he's in goaltenders heads so much now i mm-hmm. think it's so challenging to prepare for him because Vamalka, even on a play like that last night, he has to be aware of all the options on the ice. Yeah. But at the same time, you're just you're not expecting that. And I think we started the top of the show talking about how he's scoring in all these different ways now. And I just I really think he's in Coley's heads to the point where they're playing him, and he's just so unpredictable, and it's so hard to pre scout that he's just he's he's right up top. And with goalies, it's all mental, and I I think he's got a huge edge there. Yeah, it is. It is interesting when you mention that, right? Because with McDavid, I, I'm not going to say it's easy, but the scouting report is pretty straightforward. Like, try to gap him up and slow him down. Don't let him get a full head of steam. And and you know that's obviously an oversimplification of how you have to defend a player like that. But it is a touch more straightforward than than with a guy like Matthews. You know, I was looking at the NHL standings this morning and sorting things by points percentage. And you're a perfect guy to to have on for where the Leafs sit in that because they are sandwiched right between the Golden Knights and the Oilers. You know, you keep a close eye on the Oilers. I know just being the Pacific Division team, you've seen a ton of the Golden Knights this year. 
year. How do you kind of stack the Leafs up against those two teams? Because we have, at least since the Oilers went on that run, talked about both of those teams as true Stanley Cup contenders. And I think there have been a segment of people who have been hesitant, and I'll throw myself in there. Like, I've been hesitant at times to call the Leafs that. But when you look at the standings and they're sandwiched right between them, it's kind of hard to say they're not. How do you kind of compare the Leafs to those two Pacific Division teams? Yeah, it's interesting. I think they definitely play a different brand of hockey uh, than Vegas. Toronto and Edmonton, I'd say, are fairly similar in the way they approach the game. Um, Vegas is just a different animal. If there's a time that the Leafs can walk into Vegas and win, it's probably tonight. They're missing five regulars right now. But I'm not kidding you when I say the Cup still runs through Vegas. When they have their full lineup and they're playing as well as they can – I truly believe that the Stanley Cup is still going through that place. You're going to have to go through an absolute battle of a seven-game series to to beat Vegas. Edmonton is the one that reminds me the most of Toronto, uh, where it's a lot of offensive firepower, lean on your power plays. Goaltending has been a little suspect this year. Defense is always criticized. Um, I will say this, that these last five games for the Leafs have really changed my mind. I think I had this whole idea of them coming into the year and then throughout the year, it's a bit up and down. And then obviously Riley goes and does what he does. I think it's a good thing for the team. It's going to galvanize them, but I just didn't expect them to react this way. It's, it's a good opportunity for a lot of players. I said this on TV the other night. This is something that happens to every team throughout the season. One time where you're down a ton of regulars or you lose a really big part of your lineup And it's a great opportunity for other players to come in and play their simple brand of hockey. Bobby McMahon's a perfect example of a guy that maybe didn't do as well when you pull him up for a game and play him five minutes on the fourth line, but you start giving him some minutes, start giving him some opportunity. You're going to get something back from him. Uh, And I like this brand of hockey that they've been playing. So I think it's, more like Edmonton, I I would love to see them put up a fight here in the East. Um, Vegas is just a different animal. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they certainly are uh, in many ways, more than one. We talk about the team, talking about the city, who knows uh, there. Um, you, I think, tabbed me to this last time we had you on. You, like, pre-warned me how bad that camera angle is in Arizona. It's not San Jose bad, but, God, just when I thought I couldn't dislike that that arena uh, anymore, I actually got to watch a game broadcasted from there, and, man, that camera angle was bad. So, like, I don't know. I, I just would like to commend you for ju- for tabbing that for me last time we had you on, Luke. Yeah, it's tough. It drives a couple of guys to the studio nuts. I'm kind of used to it now. I've watched, <laughs> I watched back-to-back. Edmonton was there, then... Toronto was there last night. It's tough. And I think like I talked to you guys about before, like at first I kind of, I don't want to say enjoyed this, but I was like, you know, every single building in the league, almost every single, like starts to look the same after a while, whether it's Columbus, Philly, Florida, like all these new rinks are, they all look the same. So that's why I think going to a place like Madison Square Garden is really cool. Bell Center is really cool. And I was like, how unique is this that it's in this NCAA rink? But it's just over time proven that, it's just not it. <laughs> no, it ain't it. Not yeah. what you want. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been. You must have really felt like you were in the NHL uh, when you were a Coyotes player yesterday in front of 5,000 people and like 4,500 of them are Leaf fans. And the other 100 are in Matthew's family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Luke, uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Anytime, guys. There's Luke Gazdick, uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst, host of the Mitts Off 
podcast. So Matthews has a spot that he's scored many a one-timer mm-hmm. from. He's got the along the ice thing from yeah. near the goal, goal line that mm-hmm. he's but he's a diverse scorer. And in a in a sport where yeah, like there there are guys that that that's score similar type goals and you mentioned the the table hockey player that Alex Ovechkin has looked like at times mm-hmm. on the power play where yeah, he can stay on for the whole 2 minutes cuz he doesn't skate, he just <laughs> goes to his spot, does not move. I saw something I'd never seen in the NHL yesterday from Connor Bedard mm. on the one-on-one. Yes. Where you slap the defender's stick first while mm. you still have possession of the puck and Man, this is a Brad Marchand move. He likes to do it more with his leg where he kicks out the stick. Yeah. This is a big Marchand rat move. Yeah. I mean, he didn't score. Yeah. But that was, I, I, I can't say that that's something that uh, shows up on my radar quite often. No, it's not. It's, it's special. Special players do special things. You see it with Bedard. Unfortunately, I mean, let's be honest. I would have paid attention to about the same amount of Connor Bedard as I have this year, but we got robbed of half a season for him. Mm-hmm. Sucks that happened to Connor in his rookie year. Sucks that happened to the other Connor in his rookie year of injuries. And obviously McDavid's was season ending and good to see Bedard back. But yeah, you want to see him kind of have his moments, have these, have, have, you know, his signature, you know, plays for lack of a better term, like uh, the things you close your eyes and think of all the greats have them. Like with Sidney Crosby, it's his backhand with McDavid. It is the wheels. And with Matthews, it's the shot. Bedard's supposed to be that guy as well. So it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see because he's not going to be a Matthews clone. He's just not like they're different players. You see the size of them. That's a big, big part of what math makes Matthews dominant. Bedard ain't that. That's the thing I'm probably most excited about from him is just to see what exactly he looks like as he evolves into the best version of himself. Uh, it looks good, I would say. That team looks bad, but obviously uh, yeah. they were always going to yeah, look bad. Yeah, he looks good in a fishbowl. Some guys, I'm like, what are you doing? It feels no, feels he looks fitting. like a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a child, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, Why good. Mitch Marner, you're it's like, weird. oh, that kind of makes sense. That fits, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matthews, he'd look weird in one. All right, so you can't get up for all 82 games, right? Like, you can't be at the peak of your emotional powers Mm-mm. for all Unlike 82. us with every show. Right. All 82 regular season games, and maybe the Leafs' attention was garnered by not having their best defenseman for these five games. And certainly yesterday, mm. Austin Matthews, Matthew Nyes returning to their home state against the team they grew up watching. Motivating factor. Sure. Tonight, you got your number one defenseman returning, but also the defending champs trying to run the win streak to six. And then Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, you got the champs from two nights ago, another guy yep. that is in the Hart Trophy discussion. And then you come back home and it's the champs again. Like, there, there's a lot of... The Rangers mo- are... That, oh, and then, oh, one of the few teams in the East. I know people are a little down on the Rangers involved in all this mix, but it's like, oh, a team in the East that you may potentially have to compete with in the playoffs. Yeah, just there's a lot of games with a lot of juice to mm-hmm. them. And yeah, if, if we're going to talk about Austin Matthews rising to the occasion in his home state, looking for goal number 50, and obviously he was going to score once there. Well, shouldn't we be saying the same about like him playing the defending champs tonight or on Hockey Night in Canada if, hey, we all recall that 2015 Blue Jays season mm-hmm. in the final series of Josh Donaldson against Mike Trout yep. in Anaheim and how it felt like the MVP was on the line mm-hmm. between those two and Josh Donaldson smoked the cover off the ball and Mike Trout was good but not as good as Donaldson. And the, from a narrative perspective, it was hard to deny him mm-hmm. the the MVP. I wonder if there's any element of that thought process going through Austin Matthews' mind going into Saturday. Yeah, well, the Avs wax the Leafs the first time as well. I think that has to go part and parcel of it as well. You just don't get matchups against these guys. And unlike unlike other times in this sport, you will see a matchup. 
those guys are going to be head up against each other a lot. And quite frankly, I think it's because it's the matchup both coaches would want to say, I trust you the most and I trust you the most. And I think you're going to see a ton of them. It will be something we look back on one way or another. I don't think it will be the thing that decides things, but it'll be like the 15th point in somebody's hard argument for McKinnon or Matthews. All right, Vegas, the, the ball is in your court. The, the Coyotes did their part getting that game underway before <laughs> quarter after 10 tonight. Let's 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 see it. Oh, yeah, no. Three yeah. start tonight. Pomp and circumstance Vegas. I'm sure they'll be dropping right. the puck right away. Uh, this has been the uh, Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 Fan. Good, Good morning. morning.